harmony. And I just appreciate that. And the music, someone said tonight, has just been a blessing all week. It certainly has. And uh, I remember when your pastor's wife uh, was with the Marshall family. Uh, Pete was the first one that broke up the Marshall family. And uh, Julia uh, and her dad, I talked about that last night, used to uh, do a skit and they'd do a whole thing on on the doctor. And uh, it was just amazing. It was really good. And I appreciate her love and uh, those of you guys practicing and uh, making music all week long that we might enjoy it and uh, we may be able to do it. That makes the service uh, just come alive. If you didn't have any music, uh, it's just, you know, kind of blah. And it just kind of goes like that. And I'm thankful, so thankful for what you've done. <clears throat> the Bible has a lot to say about things. And I think if we turn over to Matthew, we know where we're going. Turn over to the book of Matthew. And we can study together, we can read together, and we can see what God has in store for us. Matthew chapter 6, if you'll go there with me. Matthew chapter 6, and we'll go down to verse number 19. And if you'd stand with me out of the reading of God's Word, I think it'll be a blessing to you. This has kind of been a theme this week, and the, the time that I've been here, I've thoroughly enjoyed and uh, I just love your city, and I love everything that we've uh, been able to do. And knowing <clears throat> that you're here, every time I think of New York City, uh, I think of just dear people that are there, working, serving, trusting in the Lord. And, uh, boy, my change of heart was certainly that way. Every time I get on the subway, uh, I think I've uh, probably seen too many different things or read articles about, you know, criminals, but... You know, it's just amazing that everything is under control. There's people that are there, and uh, they're watching with cameras and so forth. And I'm just thankful that you're there. God is the same way. God is overseeing everything. And he knows, and he plans, and he works. And God has a reason in everything that takes place. And I think that he certainly does tonight for us. So I want you to look tonight in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves <clears throat> break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Do you ever think about that? Treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Wait just a moment. You realize that <clears throat> you're putting those treasures in heaven by your giving, by your serving, by your faithfulness, by your prayer. You're laying up treasures in heaven, friend. And the Bible says God's going to keep those for you. Nobody else is going to get into them. Nobody else is going to mess with them. They're your treasures in heaven. <clears throat> Doesn't mean anything to us now. I just want to get there, somebody said. But the Bible says that we're going to receive rewards. Uh, and those rewards are going to be something. If God's been preparing all these hundreds of years, can you imagine what your mansion will be like? You're going to have a mansion. Wow. I can't believe it's going to be wonderful. The Bible says here that you're going to have some treasure, <clears throat> treasure in heaven. And I want you to read with me verse 21. Here we go. Ready? For where your treasure is, <clears throat> there will your heart be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. <clears throat> will you say it together with me out loud? Here we go. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I want you to remind you that where your heart is, there's your treasure. Where your treasure is, 
there will your heart be also. And again, as we look at that chapter, verse 25 says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life and what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things <clears throat> shall be added unto you. Father, we need some adding tonight. <clears throat> we need to understand tonight on this last night that there are some things that are special. There are some things that you can do with us. You have a life, Lord, as individual as can be. We're individual <clears throat> prescriptions. We were made by you. We're functioning by you. We're operating for you. And Lord, I pray that we will serve you until our days go by. In your wonderful and precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Somebody has said this. <clears throat> I think it's, it's very good. One stormy night <clears throat> many years ago. <clears throat> I'm getting my voice under control. One stormy night many years ago, an elderly man and his wife entered the lobby of a small hotel in Philadelphia. Trying to get out of the rain, the couple approached the front desk, hoping to get some shelter for the night. Could you possibly give us a room here, the husband asked. A clerk with a friendly man with a winning smile looked at the couple and explained that there were Three conventions in town. All of our rooms are taken, the clerk said. But I can send a nice couple like you out. I can't send you out into the rain at one o'clock in the morning. Would you perhaps be willing to sleep in my room? It's not exactly a suite, but it would be good enough to make you folks feel comfortable for the night. When the couple declined, the young man pressed on. Don't worry about me. I'll make out just fine, the clerk told them. So the couple agreed. As he paid his bill the next morning, the elderly man said to the clerk, you're the kind of manager who should be the boss of the best hotel in the United States. Maybe someday I'll build one for you. And he smiled. The three of them had a good laugh. As they drove away, the elderly couple that helped the clerk was indeed exceptional as finding people who are both ready, friendly, and helpful isn't easy. Two years passed. The clerk had almost forgotten the incident when he received a letter from the old man. It recalled that stormy night, and it closed a round-trip ticket to New York City, the place where you live, asking the young man to pay them a visit. The old man met him in New York, led him to the corner of Fifth Avenue, and 34th Street. He then pointed to a great new building there, a palace of reddish stone with turrets and watchtowers thrust up to the sky. That, said the older man, is a hotel I have just built for you to manage. You must be joking, the young man said. Well, I can assure you that I'm not, said the older man, a sly smile playing around his mouth. The older man's name was Wilda, William Waldorf Aster, and the magnificent structure was the original Waldorf Astoria Hotel. 
The young clerk who became its first manager was George C. Bolt. The young clerk never foresaw the turn of events that would lead him to become the manager of one of the world's most glamorous hotels. And I want you to know that the Bible says we're not to turn our back on those who are in need, for we might be entertaining angels. And the lesson is, treat everyone with love, grace, and respect, and you cannot fail. And I'd say amen, amen, and amen to that very truth. We are, I think, a lot of times missing the boat simply because God tries to use us in an unusual way or lead us to a person or individual that is just specially set up just for you and I. Who's to say that the person that we witness to, that God triggers upon our heart, who's to say that that person cannot be reached for the Lord Jesus Christ? It's just a matter of one, a matter of two, and the Bible says that we can reach them. I talked to Andrew tonight, and I mentioned the fact he had 13 today. Praise God for that 13. When we've worked, when we've tried, when we've gone, when we've done, what we've had here today, God puts that together. He is working as a giant chessboard, and he's moving you and I in different ways. It's so exciting to live for the Lord, and it's so exciting to give to the Lord. How are we going to get missionaries? How are we going to get these missionaries around the world and sustain them to keep them going god has a plan and he wants to use you tonight would you turn to first kings chapter 17 first kings chapter 17 and we'll find ourselves in the old testament with an old story that you are very familiar with the bible gives us this old story And I want you to understand the key verse is probably found in verse number 9. It's here that the Lord makes a statement that I believe is the focal point of this widow woman's action. Stand with me tonight and let's read out of the reading and the respect of God's holy word. Verse 8 all the way down to verse number 24. We're going to read this story together and I'm going to read it. Would you just follow along? And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, verse 9, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said. But make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that thou, Lord, sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went, and she did. 
according to the saying of Elijah, and said, <clears throat> and, and she and he and her house did eat for many days. And the barrel <clears throat> of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass that after these things, that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was sore, that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I do to do with thee, thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance, and to slay my son? And the Bible says, and he said, Give unto her, give my, thy son, give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into the loft where he abode and laid him upon a bed. And he cried unto the Lord and, and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And thy woman said to Elijah, the woman, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord is in thy mouth is truth. Father, I pray that you'll help us to understand today. We're just ordinary people. We're just trying to make a living. We're trying to go on. This woman's name is not given. She is there, but one thing I do know, that meal never failed. And Lord, if she would have had enough to cover and to give to everybody else, For many days, the Bible said you sustained her because she took care of God's man. And Lord, as we take care of God's people and we take care of God's men, I pray that you'll sustain us and you'll meet the needs that are there. And we pray, Lord, this in thy holy name. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to see here that the key verse has to be verse number 9. The Bible says uh, the question that we need to answer is who's going to meet the needs, who's going to do the work that God has for us to do. And it's a fascinating story, but as you look at that, look at Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, back in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 13, God sustained and God took care of his people. In Acts chapter 13, 1 through 5, it says there now in the church in Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, it was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. Look at verse 3. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And the Bible says in verse number 5, notice this, And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. 
And they had also John to their minister. God used and God sent. They were Holy Spirit called, verse 2. They were Holy Spirit, Spirit sent, verse number 3 and 4. And they were Holy Spirit filled, verse number 9. They were doing exactly what God would have them to do. I believe that this uh, God's command to this woman in our text to sustain Elijah, who, by the way, was God's messenger and prophet, is his church to sustain his messengers today. I believe that the Bible, it gives us these principles, and I believe that he makes it to be known. Had she not been in God's will, had she not done God's will, can you imagine a guy coming along to some girl today and say, uh, I want you to bake me a cake. First of all, she couldn't bake. But if she came to her and he said, bake me a cake, she'd say, hey, bucko, why don't you go bake your own cake? That's about the attitude that most people have. There were a lot of widows in that day throughout the land. It was hard. hard. It was terrible. There was a great time of depression that came. And God led him, as he will lead you, to a woman that was going to sustain him. Now, in that time when strangers came along and strangers came by, it was necessary that you took care of them. It was not like today, but the thought is still there. The Bible says here in this verse, you look at some background. The sin of Israel and the evil of the kings continued to provoke God's wrath and anger. Therefore, to pronounce judgment and expose their sin and to bring them back to God, Elijah was raised up out of Gilead to be God's messenger and prophet to Israel. After he announces that there will be a drought for three years, he goes into hiding because Ahab is pursuing to find and slay him. It isn't until after the brook Cherith dries up that God commands Elijah to go and dwell in Zarephath. You remember what happened just before this? Elijah was at the brook Cherith. He had assumed a position. He was having the birds bring him food. He had the water of Cherith. And he had it fixed. He was set for life. God breaks things and God makes the mold different. God will move you out of your comfort zone and into some place where you're not as comfortable. If he had not been moved by God and the brook had not dried up, and it says in the New Testament that that storm, that drought had come, and it lasted three years. That's a long time. It wasn't that he was out of God's will. God told him to go to that place. But God told him when it was finished to rise. He goes, listen, there were kings to anoint. There were prophets to appoint. And this woman was in the mix of all things. He was to go to the widow of Zarephath. If not, Elijah would have been there forever. One day he noticed that brook drop and he dropped the next day and it dropped again the next day. And pretty soon there just wasn't any water and there was no way that God could sustain him. God will move you. God will change things. God has it all controlled under him. We need to realize that what happens to us is designed by God and he allows it to come our way. Do you understand that tonight? The Bible says that Zarephath was a town in the Phoenician Empire near the Mediterranean Sea. If you could look at your Bible maps tonight, it's eight miles south of Zidon on the road to Tyre. This area has also experienced a drought and death and disease. 
No one except those who were rich and powerful or hoarded food and water would have been given such type of a thing. This is the, the, the place to sustain someone else with food and water. But God has never called upon the rich and the noble and the mighty to do his work. God always calls on the unusual. He always calls on the fringe. God could have called some rich and wealthy. He could have put him in the wealthiest home of Zarephath. But he takes him to the very poorest. The one who had lost her husband. The one that had only two sticks. Hey, did you ever try to start a fire with two sticks? It's virtually impossible. I don't care what size, how small they may be. You need three sticks to start a fire. God brought him there. Everything was unusual. Everything about her was strange. But the Bible said that God gave that woman to her. And he told her, he spoke to her at the same way. I wonder if what would have happened if she would have just simply told the Lord no. God's commandment alone to the woman did not guarantee that Elijah would be sustained. It was now that she responded to God's command. I want you to notice several things. She experienced the blessings and she sent Elijah to the many widows of Israel because of her faith. Instead, he sent Elijah to the widow of of Sidon. God's miracles and works were only accomplished in the lives of those who are willing to put their faith in God. There's a couple of thoughts here. God many times uses people we would least expect because of the people that he can't use. God will always sustain those who have great faith. Always read the reason being today that people are not called of God. But the biggest reason is a lack of faith. And notice these things that she did not use as an excuse. God is going to place you tomorrow exactly where he would have you to be. He will cause the people to walk by you and to stand around you. And those people that are in contact and around, the Bible says that he puts them there for a reason. There is a placement. The person that delivers flowers, the person that comes your way, the one that will serve you your lunch tomorrow. All of those people are given by God. And God wants us to understand as we go our way that those people need to be reached for Jesus Christ. They have no other way to tell who the Savior is but by you. The way that we look, the way that we present ourselves, the way that we speak. It may not be today that everyone takes a track and just pulls it out at the right time and gives it to them. But I'll tell you the reason that we don't is often because of secret sin. It's because of secret sin that keeps us from opening up, caring about others, talking to them. Have you ever been in the Midwest, Oklahoma? Have you ever been in the Midwest in Missouri? You just look at somebody and go like that, and man, they come over and talk to you. They nod back. Truck goes by, you look at a guy, he goes, how you doing? Boy, when you're uh, up there by where we live, somebody will turn around and beat you up if you look at them and stare too long. They'll come back and somebody will shove it down your throat. That's just the way that they are. I don't know about people in New York City, and I've heard that they're grabby and they're grouchy. I didn't find that at all. The people around here are friendly. I want you to know that God has given you a perfect opportunity, a perfect climate to talk to people about the gospel. Rarely will you see someone that you know the second time. 
I found someone that Janelle knew at the at downtown in the middle of passing out tracks. There was somebody who says, I know Janelle. She goes to your church. And I said, yeah, that's a great thing. I didn't know who she was, but I met her last night. God will use you in an unusual way. God is waiting for you to take hold of the predicament that he has sent you in. God reaches the world through people. And we don't know when we pass out that track. If you'll just use us. Look at this. I want you to see what she did not use as an excuse. The widow's woman's situation in life. Look at verse 10 and 12. The Bible says, So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, and I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. I mean to tell you, she was down, not just down on her luck. She was down on her supply. She was down on her provision. She was down on everything. She had prayed and asked God. She had prayed and asked God. She had prayed and asked God. Why, why did God, on her behalf, allow her to go all the way down to the bottom? Why did he not provide for this lady who was there? She certainly had hard times. She had lost a husband. She had a son that was there. He was hungry. Every mother knows what it's like to be hungry. But to have a hungry child on top of that, it's unbelievable the story that comes. But yet she had an unbelievable faith in her God. And I believe she was trusting. God doesn't tell us about that in the story. But I think this was a woman of prayer. And I think she was praying. And I think she was trusting. And I think she was believing. And I think that she knew that God would supply supply her need according to his riches in glory. It didn't happen that day in the morning. It didn't happen until the afternoon. And she goes out. And if it was poor people, I want you to know it would be hard to find much more than two sticks. If you had to go out today and find some sticks, I don't know where you'd look. But the Bible said she found them. And she takes those. And she takes that. And the Bible says that this little bit of oil that she had left in the cruise, everything else was gone. And this little bit of meal that she had, Surely she had planned and trusted God and expected him to come through. And he hadn't. And sometimes we get in that situation and we ask the Lord, Lord, what else? What am I going to do? Where am I going to get anything? You've got to sustain me. Just because your cupboards are not full, it doesn't mean that God has given up on you. Just because you don't have everything you like. I mentioned cereal in the top. Uh, Somebody has said, let's go out. And uh, let's see what kind of ice cream that's in the refrigerator. Let's see what kind of bread is left. There may be a a little bit of a loaf from last week, and it may be a little bit old. It's amazing what you can do and what you can find. It's amazing how mothers can make something good to eat with just a little bit left. But she had literally nothing left. There was nothing. And she was down to a cruise of oil 
And she was down to a handful of meal. And she was down to the place to where her son, it doesn't say anything about him speaking, but I can guarantee you, he was concerned about it as well. He was old enough to know. And the Bible said that she went all the way down to the bottom before God came through and blessed her. Oh, did he bless her. Meal forever. What do you take for that? We need to understand and we need to know. God may let you go a lot farther than you'd think. You may think that you're down at the bottom, that you're at the end of the rope. You need to tie a knot and hang on. You just uh, are, are, are sold out because God hasn't come through just when you expected him. Listen, God is never early, but seldom is he ever late. God always comes through exactly on time. And God will do that for you, my friend. If we'll trust him, if we will stay faithful to him, and listen, if we're willing to give. She was willing to do, willing to give, and willing to sustain God's man. She did all of that. I want you to understand that the widow that was right here in these extreme hardships She was forced to care for herself and her son, living in a pagan society that they didn't help provide much for the widow like Israel did. They did very little in a third world country. The famine was there. It forced her to have very little. It meant rationing, budgeting things. Many times Christians use their present situation as an excuse to help God when really it isn't nothing but a lack of faith in trusting God. I noticed her situation didn't cause her to turn inward, but she was still willing to be concerned for others. I wonder how many times that God has brought you in contact with somebody, brought you in contact with an individual only to allow you to be a blessing. You know, we can turn people away. We can love them. We can speak to them in a special way. I don't believe everybody outside the church we have to help. And everybody has to be in a need. But I know one thing, the people that seek God and know the truth, we need as a church to love one another. We need to see gas tanks that need to be filled. I don't know how many times somebody said, can I have your car? Can I have your keys? Or can we do this? And somebody's filled my car up with gas. I don't know how many times that a knock has come on our door late at night. And I've opened the door. And there's been some groceries that were there for my kids. Sometime I didn't have, I couldn't afford it. We couldn't pay for it. My wife and I didn't know what we were going to do, but we just prayed. And God came along and put everything that we need. Everything was in those grocery bags that were from Safeway on our porch. Everything we needed and God supplied. I wonder how many times somebody's given you some things for your kids, done some things for you. Been concerned. Are we concerned about others? And when we are, God takes that and he multiplies it and he gives back unto us in a special way. Look at this. The woman, widow woman's son's service in life. The way that she served, verse 10 and 11. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the woman, widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to fetch it. And he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Can you imagine Paul or imagine 
uh, Luke or any of the ones of the disciples asking somebody to do that. But Elijah, the man of God, God told him and he told her and she went and did and went and came. The Bible tells us that she just did what she was told to do. And easily she began to serve him. I thought how easily I jotted down. It would have been for this woman to tell Elijah to go fetch his water and fix your own cake. That's what they would have said today. But instead, he was willing to serve God. Fetching the cake for Elijah was serving God. Real faith in God. It's not permitted our situations to hinder our service. I want you to see as well that the widow woman's sustenance was limited. What she had to offer was very limited. According to verse number 12, it reminds me of the widow woman's two mites that were given. She was willing to be cast in all of her living. It is amazing how God can multiply our little into much when we give it to God. Five loaves and two fishes, a little boy's lunch. God can take that and he can feed, the Bible says, thousands. Little is much when God is in it. Have you ever looked at what you give and what you have to say? My substance is so limited because there's barely enough for me, let alone God. Also, I don't have it to give at this time. Why did God increase her substance? Because she had faith to believe God and to follow his commandment. Would God ever command us to do something if he didn't intend to supply for our need? Some of you are facing some things in your life. Your kids are getting older. You've got different kinds of bills. Listen, when it gets, your kids get older, it costs you more money. It costs you more money. Listen, did you ever notice when they get to junior high, they eat like, uh, I don't know what they eat like, but they sure eat. They see groceries. I don't need one of those signs that says, honk if you love Jesus. I need a sign on my car that said, honk if you have groceries. As you go around, listen, little kids grow up and little kids eat more. Tomorrow, the Bible says that you may have need of want. And today we need to be sustained. There's no future and there's no history. There's only today. We need to realize that God is taking us through. God is working with us and who God brings you in contact with and what God does. God is just concerned about the souls of men. If God tells us about that, the only important thing in the world is the word of God and the souls of men. You can't find any two things that are more important than God's word and the souls of men. And if it's that important, it ought to be important to us. The Bible showed us that her substance was limited. In verse number 12, the Bible says, And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. She knew how close she was to death. She knows that there was nobody to come along and fill that barrel. She knew that there was no one to trust in, but she was trusting in her God. She was willing to go all the way to the end. The Bible says here something that her sacrifice was personal. Look at verse number 12 again. To give what she had was little. It meant her life and her life's son. 
But it didn't really. The devil always wants to give to consider whatever is given for God's work is sacrifice. But to give to God is never a sacrifice. It's a privilege. The Bible said here that God used it in a very special way. The Bible says that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, verse 13, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me first a little cake first and bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. For three long years, friends, there was a drought. For three long years, God did not sustain Elijah at the brook Cherith. He did not sustain Elijah where it could have been with a lot of rich people. He took him to the poorest person. And he done he did a miracle with that widow woman that he could have not done with anyone else. He used her to meet his needs. And he not only sustained her, but the Bible says that he did it in sacrifice. In Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all thy need according to your riches or his riches in glory. God is working. God makes it available. By you attending church this morning and by attending church tonight and trusting and serving the Lord, all we have to do is count our blessings and see what God has done. God can take care of his people. God can see through the needs of his people. God wants to, and God commands that if we'll just do what he wants, that God will take care of everything else. It was personal. The Bible tells us here, God's rules for acceptable giving, and he makes it possible. Notice in verse 13, Elijah said, make me a little cake first and bring it unto me. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, we read it already tonight. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. As long as you live in this world, you must come first. That God never can be first place in your life. You must sacrifice self-sacrifice. You must sacrifice self so that he can have first place. And I want you to look at verses 14 through 16. The widow woman's supply was made possible by God. The Bible says, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, verse 14, the barrel of meal shall not waste. Can you imagine the first time that she went back? It does not say when. It does not say how. And she reached down into that barrel and she took a scoop of meal. I bet that meal tasted good because God made it. And I bet she took a scoop and she put it in again and she took a scoop and there it came right up into the thing again. It's a miracle. I really think that she probably went in there and she just scooped. I would have done that, wouldn't you? Just scoop for about an hour. Just scoop and watch it, try to figure out where it came from. And you knew all the time, if you looked under the barrel, that it wasn't coming from anywhere, anybody but God. God knew what it was coming from. God knew what it was like. He knew the bigger scoop that she'd take, the more he'd pour in. She probably got a big container and scooped even more. And God just filled it all the way up. 
I believe that she stayed up that night and God allowed that barrel to fill over and over. And I believe she just started filling up containers, filling up things. Remember the other woman that had happened to it said, borrow not a few. I believe that if she had had enough and she would have scooped enough, she would have filled up every barrel in the city of Zarephath. It's amazing what God can do. And friends, I don't know what you're doubting God on, and I don't know what you're holding out on God, and I don't know what it is that you fail to meet the needs of other people. But the Bible says, my Bible says, that God will sustain thee. He'll make it possible. He will show you. And he showed not only Elijah by caring for him. Oh, his was temporal. His was gone in just a few moments. But for her, it was everlasting. And because she helped God's man as we help and we meet the needs of the ones that we send overseas, everything that we ever give always comes back to us again. And everything that we do for them sustains them on the work that they're there in the field. God has a plan for that. But the plan for the person that was back home, you and I, the ones that are holding the ropes, the one that we're, are praying, the ones that are meeting the needs of our missionaries, listen, God will supply your need according to his riches and glory. God has a plan to meet your need. God has a plan to supply. Does that mean that God's going to use unlimited flour or meal in a barrel? I know one thing. I believe that she scooped and she scooped and she scooped. And boy, they must have had a time. She must have done a lot of baking. I think the lights were on long that night as she just scooped and she took for the Lord. The supply was made possible. I believe that God honors his word. This woman's faith, her service, her obedience to God's command was made possible for God to do the impossible thing in her life. Like this woman in our story, I've never required never regretted giving what I have to help sustain God's work and his messengers. I've never lacked anything, and neither will you. Have you been threatened to quit? Have you almost sold out? This story says simply, and it's titled, Don't Quit. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging on seems all uphill, When the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When car, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is strange with its twists and turns, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won and he stuck it out. Don't give up. Though the pace may seem slow, you may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. He learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out. The silver tints of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell. You never can tell how close you are. It may be near when it seems afar. The Bible simply says that you need to go on. And as this poem says, that you just can't quit. Have you ever been there? Maybe you're there tonight. 
Maybe you've trusted God. You've asked him to show your way. You've panicked when it's been a long, long time before you even even get to the problem. A lot of times we worry about things that don't come to pass at all. Most of what you're worrying about tonight will never come to pass. And we see from afar and we don't see it clearly. And we begin to wonder and we begin to get fretful and we begin to get nervous and we begin to just fall apart. And God's saying all along, hey, I'm going to take care of it. It's my bill. I'm going to do it if you'll just give me a chance. Boy, you talk about being close. No story in the Bible is that much closer. A failure in the life of a Christian who lived for, who suffered God to bless and to meet the needs of others. God came to her at the last moment and just simply said, I need you. I need you now. I want you to give your last bit to God's service. Are you willing to do that tonight? Are you willing to trust him tonight? Are you willing to go to him tonight, taking what you have with where you're at and where you are, and say, Lord, I'm willing to give it if I'll give it for you. God says if you're willing to give it tonight and make that sacrifice, that he will meet your need. That's his plan. With every head bowed and eye closed, I'd say tonight, if God is speaking to your heart, if God is trying in your life to make a difference, it may be tonight that in this week of missions that several times God has spoken to your heart. He's changed his way. God has tried to show you. God has tried to teach you. And listen, if we'll listen close, God is always directing. The still small voice of the Savior He's leading us, he's directing us, he's using us in a special way to bring us to a place that he can just use us to possibly sustain the work, to make just the little bit that we give, just enough that will carry a missionary over on the other side. Missions at home, starting churches, and sending missionary support overseas. I don't know where you're at tonight. But missions is a part of my life. Missions is a part is a part of my life that I trust the Lord each year to sustain me. And you must trust him too. Not to see what you can get away with, but just to see if you can do more to meet the needs. As we meet those needs, God is able to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. Father, I pray that you'll speak to our heart tonight. I pray that you'll move upon us. Lord, we need to surrender. We need to yield. It could be tonight, the little that we have, you can take it and make it much larger simply because we trust in you. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let's stand to our feet, sing a verse of invitation song. God has a way. God has a plan tonight. And he's waiting for somebody just like you that he might try it again. I believe God can do anything. What's he willing to do tonight with you? For you, God is willing. And yes, if we are able.